programme is brought to you in association with Alexander's Chartered Accountants in Red Hill. Hello and welcome to Out and About here on Radio Red Hill. I'm Katie Child sitting in for Owen Davies. On today's show, we'll be finding out how local communities have combated the challenges of lockdown. We'll make a tribute to the late Dame Vera Lynn and we'll be looking at the future of cars. Now, coronavirus has had a huge effect on the economy, causing more and more people to seek help in ways they never had to before. The Renewed Hope Trust in Redhill is a charity supporting the homeless and vulnerable and has adapted the way they work to help as many people as possible through the crisis. I spoke to Michelle Hirschfield, a trustee and volunteer of the charity, about the changes they had to make. During normal times before COVID, we are a drop-in centre and they went to night shelter. So the drop-in centre is open 11 to 3, Monday through Friday, and we provide a hot meal, tea, coffee, conversation. And then the winter night shelter bit of it is the overnight accommodation that we provide with churches in the area. And so that's only through the months of October through March, though. And in the evening, they could have a shower, they have a hot meal, they have a sleep, they wake up, they have breakfast, and then they're back out again until we open at lunchtime for the drop-in. Of course, with social distancing and and the lockdown, uh, we're not able to have our drop-in. So we are providing packed lunches and hot drinks just at the door. So we have two tables that we put up as a barrier. They're not allowed in the chapel unfortunately. So they just come up to the door, they have their, their pack lunch, and that's from 12 to 1.30 each day, Monday through, well, Monday through Sunday, it's seven days a week, actually, that we're doing it. And probably the biggest change is that we have started a food bank, and we were helping the over 70s and just using kind of what stock we had here for our drop-in. And we just started getting referral after referral and people needing help. And we saw that the the need was going to be much greater than the resource. And we are packing parcels literally six days a week. And you rely on donations from other people. How has the response been? Oh, do you know what? It's really heartwarming because the response has been absolutely staggering. We have people who are bringing in donations every single day. And we have people who do it regularly, We have those who do it as a one-off. We have people who are giving financially. And in a time when so many people are in need and so many people are struggling, the generosity has just been absolutely overwhelming. And of course, we couldn't do it without that. It's not just food that they've been generous with. We have had people who've needed other things. So we had someone who was struggling with their mental health and she just desperately wanted a bike so she could get away from the kids for a couple of hours in the evening so we put something on Facebook um, just saying we need a bike for someone for mental health reasons within 10 minutes somebody came back to us saying they had a bike so we've done that a couple of times now for people we've had cakes donated for children's birthdays 
Oh, that's wonderful. And how popular has the service been with the community? So two weeks ago, it was over 200 people that we fed just in one week. And that was 50 new families. And the family dynamics are all different. You could have a single mom with six children, or you could have a mom and dad living together with with one child, or, you know, a single person with five cats. And we're feeding the cats and the dogs as well. And the really important thing for us is just knowing who needs the help. So we have a, a form online, and we have it on our Facebook as well, under Renewed Hope. And they just click on the form, pop in a few details. We don't need financial details. We just want to know name, address, how many adults, how many children. And then we give them a call and we'll chat to them and get a food parcel out to them. And there's probably a lot of people who maybe haven't used a food bank before, but they feel like they they shouldn't really seek help for this sort of thing. How have you got around this? Uh do you know what? We we do get that quite often. We'll have someone say to us, oh, no, no, but but somebody else needs it more than I need it. And actually, it's, it's not a case of that. It's, everyone is equal in our eyes and everyone is just as deserving as the next person. And there's plenty of food to go around. So what will happen is if somebody says, oh, I know someone who's really struggling. Here's the name. Here's the phone number. We'll give them a call. And say, hey, hi, it's Michelle from A New Hope. So-and-so has nominated you to receive a food parcel. Can you just tell me a little bit about your circumstances at the moment? And, you know, just that change of words from referred to nominate, it feels like they've won a prize. It doesn't feel like they're on the poverty line. It doesn't feel like, you know, they had to kind of suck up their pride and lose some of their dignity to receive a food parcel and it just makes all the difference in the world. And you've also recently started a drive-through. How does that work? Well, the old Regations Rugby Club contacted us and asked if they could do a drive-through donation drop-off points for us. And of course, we jumped at the chance. And so they set up five different stations for the cars to stop at. People aren't allowed to get out of the car They had to stay in the car, pop the boot. Sometimes it's really interesting trying to figure out how different cars' boots open so we can actually get the stuff out. And then we take it to a table. Other volunteers come pick that up, take it to the sorting point inside the building. It's great for teams of volunteers to work together from from different, you know, clubs and organizations as well. So we're all working, you know, for the same purpose, which is to help people. So you've been running the food bank for quite a few weeks now. What sort of feedback have you received? The feedback generally has been great. We were told that we were absolutely mad to start a food bank during COVID because we had never done it before. But we have a heart for the community and we couldn't think of a better time to start a food bank, actually. And have you had any messages from people who have used the service? Well, we get messages almost on a daily basis. Have you got any you could read out? I do, yes. I have a couple. They're both just absolutely lovely and and all the messages are. But this one is, wow, just received our food parcel and I could cry. Thank you so, so much. I cannot put into words how grateful myself and my son are for your help. Thank you a million times over. Bless all of you. And then another one is, 
Hi, Michelle. I just wanted to say a huge thank you for the food parcel yesterday. I'm not going to lie. It did make me cry, and I'm so grateful for such a lovely thing. My son thinks it's Christmas because we had chocolate biscuits, and my daughter wants us to wait for Sunday for the special frozen meals as it's her birthday. Again, thank you so much, and please stay safe, everyone. What wonderful messages. Honestly, when you get something like that, you know, it certainly makes me want to cry. Every time I open a message like that, it's it's very humbling to do this. And it could be any of us in that situation at any point. So it is extremely humbling. And how do people access the service? To access the service, you can go on to Renewed Hope on Facebook and you'll see our form on there. It's just a Google Docs form. You just ping in your name, address, telephone number, and it comes straight to myself. I'll then give you a call and we'll set up a time to deliver a food parcel. That was Michelle Hirschfield from the Renewed Hope Trust in Redhill. Now, the government recently announced that it will be banning the sale of diesel and petrol cars by the year 2035, paving the way for the electric car. Last year, Ian Wilson had a glimpse at the future of driving when he went along to a meetup of the Sussex Electric Vehicle Club to learn about electric cars from people who actually use them. He began by speaking to Wendy and wanted to know what car she was driving. I drive a Leaf uh, 24 kilowatt, which is one of the earlier ones. And how long have you had it? I've had it just under a year. It's the best thing I've bought. It was three years old when I bought it. Why is it the best thing you've bought? I thoroughly enjoy driving it. I wasn't expecting this. I bought it for environmental reasons, but I find it really enjoyable to drive. And it's certainly even better drive than I thought in traffic. And what did you drive before, for comparison? For me, I've been driving many years, um, and I'd always driven uh, petrol or diesel Ford saloons. And what's the difference when you're behind the wheel? First of all, you don't have um, gears, but neither is it quite like an automatic. You just have, I think of it as like driving a Dodgem, but it's much faster. You just have forward, forward a bit faster, and reverse. Do you find it more relaxing? Yes, particularly in traffic, because um, you're not thinking, oh, I can creep forward in first, oh, do I need second kind of driving. You just go forward, like in a Dodgem, and then you stop. And how about money? How much money has it saved you in fuel? It's incredible. I only do in this car about 6,000 miles a year. Um, I was putting in into the petrol car probably about £30 every fortnight. I'm now putting in £10-£12 a month of electricity. That's all. And people always worry about the range thing. Does that cause you any issues? No, it really doesn't. It's a planning thing. I have a daily commute of around 30 miles, um, which is no problem. I just changed my way of thinking from going to the petrol station every fortnight to plugging in several times a week at home. I've got a plug on the front of the building and it's just easy. And what's your next car going to be? At the moment, obviously, I'm not changing for a little while, but I would happily go for another Leaf. So I'm here with Krista, who has just arrived in a uh, Hyundai Kona, who got out the car and said, it's the best car we've ever had. We've had Mercedes, BMWs. 
Why is it the best car you've ever had? Um, it's good for its comfort, the gizmos in it, the little extras that don't cost you anything else, and the additional safety features, which I think are fantastic. And what are those features? The features are in the wing mirror, if you have somebody in your blind spot, you have a little orange silhouette of a car come up, so you're never going to pull out in front of anyone. Um, it's practically a self-drive car if somebody stops ahead of you really quickly it automatically starts braking um, i wouldn't say you can nod off behind the wheel but it is absolutely superb and it's it's mileage on a full charge comes up with uh, it says it would do 356 miles i think it is on a full charge we've never tested it that far but it is absolutely brilliant and the comfort in the the driver's seat and the passenger seat is second to none never tried the back seat i haven't been in there but i'm told it's comfortable and what's the acceleration like on an electric car very very good all those bikes that come up to you at traffic lights i think they're going to whiz away in front of you they don't succeed <laughs> you're a, you're a boy racer really aren't no, you no no not at all no i'm an elderly pensioner <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for talking to us thank you very much you're very welcome so i'm here with neil roberts who uh, set up the group sussex evs what's all that about then about a year ago, I'd got myself an electric car and I, I wanted to meet similar people in the local area. If you don't immediately have, have relatives or friends who are already driving electric cars, it can be a very lonely experience. I, you're, you're on your own and you're surrounded by people who, who drive petrol and diesel and arguably they, they don't understand why you made the decision that you did. So I wanted to meet local people who had similar experiences. So I started the group, just a, a simple Facebook group. The club in a year has is just a fraction under 250 members now. Um, and it, it's, it's just growing enormously. And it, it's been such, such an incredible experience. It wasn't anything that I expected it to be. Now, if anyone wants to join the club, what's the criteria and how do they do it? Literally anybody can join the club. Uh, if you just have an interest in renewable technology and transport you will be welcome and what's the website it is www.sussexevs.co.uk neil thank you very much my pleasure ian wilson there speaking to a few people who drive electric cars now last month we lost the forces sweetheart dame vera lynn the voice which uplifted the nation in its darkest hour Four years ago, she was made a member of the Order of the Companions of Honour in the Queen's Birthday Honours List, and the day after it was announced, I met her daughter Ginny at the South of England show. Hello, good morning. Lovely day we have too. Oh yes, definitely. And what are you doing here at the South of England show? Well, I'm helping um, in the President's Box, sort of just being helping people to have a drink, have a bun or whatever, and pointing them in the right direction and that sort of thing. We've been associated with the society for many, many, many years and uh, the family. And uh, so it's lovely here. And for once, we've actually got perfect weather as opposed to boiling hot or freezing cold. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> and how long have you been involved in uh, this event? Um, well, I, I just sort of come in and do things and I'm told what to do and uh, just get on with it, really, um, for various guises. Um, many years ago, I used to be out in the, in the field, so to speak, um, helping round up whoever it was, whether it was cows or children or something. <laughs> and now they've sort of either uh, m uh, moted me or demoted me to uh, um, helping out inside <laughs> for a change. <laughs> so, but we've been, as I say, associated for many, many, many years with the society, which is wonderful. 
And what do you like about the show? Well, it's very varied. There are lots of different things going on in the main arena. There's loads of stalls, and it's a lovely family atmosphere. And because people can bring children and animals, and it's just lovely, and it's promoting, the most important thing, agriculture. The more that we can do for the agricultural uh, people in this country, farmers, etc., doesn't matter what level they are, the better, really. Yes, definitely. And uh, so you had some exciting news. Yes, absolutely. Uh, my mother, Dame Vera, has been appointed a member of the Order of the Companions of Honour in the Queen's Birthday Honours List this year. So we're all very, very excited. She's thrilled to bits. She's always said, and she said um, that, uh, you know, once she was given her, she was made a dame, um, she thought that was it, you know. That was the height to which, it, which is wonderful. She was absolutely thrilled when that happened. Um, and she's even more thrilled now that she's been made a Companion of honour she's uh, it's fantastic for her and she's really thrilled to bits oh that's wonderful and uh, what's it like uh, growing up with a mother who's so uh, such so famous it's always very difficult because she's always a mother she's always been there so I don't know any different you know that's it really uh, she's always been around I've always even when I was little I've always been around older people as well as obviously people my own age um, so I don't really know what it would be like not to um, and you meet lots of lovely people, interesting people, uh, absolutely fantastic. You know, it's, a, it, it's been fascinating, absolutely fascinating. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Pleasure. I hope you all enjoy it, and we keep this weather. Keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll meet again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again. Some sunny day Keep smiling through Just like you always do Till the blue skies drive the dark clouds far away So will you please say hello the folks that I know tell them I won't be long they'll be happy to know that as you saw me go I was singing this song we meet again don't know where don't know Some sunny day We'll meet again Don't know where Don't know where But I know we'll meet again Some sunny day Keep smiling through
the late Dame Vera Lynn with that classic song, We'll Meet Again. Now, it's always important to look after our mental health, and even more so in these strange times. The Richmond Fellowship is a mental health charity providing help and support in several different ways. I spoke to Sean Donnelly from the Red Hill branch about how they've been operating during the coronavirus crisis, but I first found out a bit more about the charity. Richmond Fellowship itself is a national charity and we have different services across the whole country but in East Surrey we tend to focus on the community connection service, our employment service and also we run a crisis drop-in centre called the Safe Haven. So we encompass quite a lot. We would also do supported housing across the country and various other services. But generally in East Surrey, we tend to look at the community connections and getting people back into the workplace. And now, because we're all social distancing, are there any services the Richmond Fellowship is doing to reach out to people in need? Well, we're continuing on as normal in a funny kind of way with our community connections service. We've found that basically people are taking on board this opportunity to learn how to get to grips with technology. And they've embraced all the support groups saying it's absolutely wonderful. They don't have to travel in to still get the support that they need. And they're still doing all the skills workshops, things like emotional health and well-being, practical mindfulness, sleeping well in difficult times. So we're offering loads and loads of courses and people are still able to attend them through the Zoom application. And we've also been helping develop a new Surrey virtual wellbeing hub, along with Surrey Heartland's Health and Care Partnership and Healthy Surrey, so that anybody in Surrey can actually access the community connection services provided by ourselves, Richmond Fellowship, Mary Frances Trust and Catalyst. And they can actually get onto these courses through the hub totally free by signing up on Healthy Surrey Virtual Wellbeing. And is there a website for that? There certainly is. It is virtualwellbeing.healthysurrey.org.uk. It's a very nice, clean and simple design, very easy to use. And you can search by workshops or activities or by a date range. So generally speaking, you'd have to sort of sign up and give a week's notice to actually get on a course. But otherwise, it's really, really easy to use. Now, with all the courses which you offer, could you just talk me through one in particular, please? Well, the most popular courses, I think we have a couple of short workshops, Practical Mindfulness, which talks about why mindfulness is good for mental health. We find that sort of one and a half to two hours works quite well for workshops using the Zoom conferencing. And our tutor, who's our partner with the WEA, Angie, she talks people through how to do practical mindfulness on an everyday basis and why it's good for you, how to work at it. And also the other popular course that we have is sleep hygiene, why we might not sleep well, how it's good to actually get into a routine and practical exercises you can do to get yourself into that good practice to get to sleep so that you can actually function well in daily life. I imagine that's quite important at the moment because I, I think a lot of people are struggling with sleeping right now. I, I certainly think it is because there's a lot of worry going on in the world and also being tired is never good for our mental health. So we found this is a really popular little workshop that we started up the other year. And how do these courses help people? 
it's still keeping that connection. I think that some people, especially if you have low mental health, sometimes it's difficult to feel connected to people and they might feel isolated. And now not being able to get out and about, it's so difficult to get that connection with the lockdown. Even when we did our first couple of support groups, people came back with such positive feedback saying how nice it was to have that connection. So they still got to see people and, and people who have the same understanding in that support group of their own problems. They still managed to get that while staying safe at home. So what do you think makes support groups so effective? It's good to share the experiences. And I think hearing someone else's story is how we make sense of our own. And then also, if we can share our own story by telling our story, it basically changes our pain into someone else's medicine. And I think that's why it's so successful. And what would you say has been the biggest challenge with making the transition into this new virtual world? We phoned everybody round to make sure that they were happy and they understood what was going on and that we were still supporting people. And I say a lot of people have said they've actually used this opportunity to embrace technology. So although it's been a little bit of frustration or something new, a bit of a challenge, people now find that they've actually benefited from it. And have these virtual courses been just as effective as being face-to-face? Yes, from the feedback we have. It's the next best thing to having somebody face to face, isn't it? You can still read their expressions and read their body language. And I think that's a great thing as well for the person who's actually facilitating the course to actually see how people are reacting. It's very important to see if people are with you or if they're not understanding something. So I think it's hugely important to have that visual connection where possible. Sean, how important is it for people to look after their own mental health? extremely important if we're to have successful relationships and be happy in our lives we need to be happy within ourselves so that's where becoming happy with your own emotional health and well-being and understanding how to look after your own emotional health is incredibly important to anybody so what can people do to keep a healthy mind well i'm sure there is hundreds of things on the list but personally I think at the moment it's really important to keep in touch with the outdoors and nature wherever possible. Many people might not have access to a garden, but getting outside is important just from the physical side of getting vitamin D. So that helps us make us feel better as well. Using little tips of mindfulness during the day. So not worrying what's past, not worrying what's ahead, but just enjoying life. I think a lot of us tend to compare ourselves and I think we have to remember as as individuals that no two people are alike. So taking a break from social media, I think also is very beneficial from this and the worries of what might be on the news. So taking this opportunity to enjoy your connections with your family and your friends and and nature is, is always really helpful. Sean Donnelly there from the Richmond Fellowship in Redhill. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today on Out and About. Thank you very much for joining me. I'm Katie Child, sitting in for Owen Davies here on Radio Red Hill. That programme was brought to you in association with Alexander's Chartered Accountants in Red Hill. Comedy Classic on Radio Red Hill.
present Arthur Lowe, John LeMessurier and Clive Dunn in Dad's Army. If the Cap Fits, featuring John Laurie, Arnold Ridley and Leon Lavender, with this week's guests Edward Sinter and Fraser Carr. Here is the news and this is John Snag reading it. The date is January 1941 and the bomber and fighter squadrons of the RAF continue to sweep across the skies of France and Germany in an endless effort to break the Nazi stranglehold. Meanwhile, in the side office of the church hall at Warmington-on-Sea, Captain Mannering, armed with the latest technical aids, prepares to give a lecture. Uh, now listen, Wilson. Uh, I want you to read the descriptions out in a loud, clear voice. Do you understand? Yes, sir. A loud, uh, clear voice. Yes, I don't want any mumbling. Do I ever mumble, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready yet, Jones? Not quite, sir. Shan't be a tick. I'm very excited. We never had a lecture like this before, sir. That's what I like about you, Captain Mannering. You're always trying out new modern scientific methods. Well, I try to keep abreast of the times, Jones. Well, there's no doubt about it, sir. The magic lantern is a wonderful invention. <laughs> yes, it's only been going a hundred years. I don't want any of that sort of talk, Wilson. Yeah, you're getting the slides out of order. Mr. Objector... I do not like the verger creeping round me when I'm trying to sort out my slides. Verger, you must stop creeping round Jones when he's trying to get his slides sorted. I beg your pardon, Mr Mannering, I am not creeping. Yes, you are. You're the biggest creeper I've ever met. You're a troublemaker and a creeper. You're the troublemaker? I'm just here on the instructions of the vicar to keep an eye on his apparatus and to see that you, and to see that you don't abuse it when you use it. Won't abuse it when I use it. And I'm going to see that you don't abuse it when you use it. Be quiet, both of you. Wilson, are the blackouts up in the hall and the screen set up? Oh, yes, sir. Why are we waiting? Why are What on earth's going on out there? I don't know, sir. It sounds like Fraser's voice. Who oh, is it? Yes, I thought so. Fraser! Fraser! That'll be enough of that. Be out when we're ready and not before. It is slight. It's in one of ours. It's a lot of Zulus dancing. <laughs> Get that in. That belongs to the vicar. It's his lecture, Light into Darkest Africa. <laughs> <laughs> what are you sniggering at, Wilson? I just think it's a light into Darkest Africa with the blackouts up. <laughs> Well, we're going, shall Very we? Very amusing. <laughs> Bring the slides, Jones. Right, right settle down, everybody. Now, subject of my lecture is Know Your Enemy. Light the candle, Wilson. Sir. Put the lights out, Pike. Yes, sir. Now, if you watch the screen, we shall show you pictures of Germans in uniform. And Sergeant Wilson will read out the notes on each one. Right. You ready with the first slide, Jones? Yes, sir. All ready. Ready to read out the notes, Wilson? Almost. Uh, what do you mean, almost? Well, my, uh, my monocle just needs a little slight polish, sir. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, sir. <coughs> Thank you, Wilson. First slide, please, Jones. Permission to speak, sir. Where's your clicker? What are you talking about? Your clicker, sir, that little metal frog that you click when you want me to change the slide. 
I haven't got one. Where'd you go and get the vicar's clicker? <laughs> You're not having the vicar's clicker. In that case, Mr. Manley, would you mind saying click each time? Oh, that'll do, George. Just put the first slide in. Right, here we go, sir. Click. Read on, Wilson. Right, sir. Um, German private, infantry rifleman, front, field grey uniform. National colours on right side of steel helmet. Now, here are some interesting points. You'll notice the eyes. <laughs> Mean, shifty. <laughs> Set too close together, typically Nazi. Next slide, Jones. 